Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Candor Podcast. Tommy Christian joined me today on uh, the podcast, and he is the owner and founder of TC Boost. They specialize in, uh, in well, they specialize in a heck of a lot, actually. But what they're really known for is uh, speed training. So what I really found uh, that stood out to me about TC Boost are their, their developmental process. So they don't really handle things, I think, like a lot of places do. Um, they first build a foundation with their athletes or the people they work with, and they introduce, uh, introduce them to developing their mechanics and then increasing their work capacity and more injury prevention. And they move on to even bigger levels like maximizing their strength and movement levels, which eventually leads into their sport-specific, if they have a sport, and uh, increasing their speed and power. And I really want to know how they came across, you know, those platforms and, and why they do so, because it's extremely smart and calculated, and it's not something that uh, someone can just walk into uh, and, you know, jump right into out of the gate. So uh, without further ado, Tommy, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for joining the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Eric. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to have you. So Tell us, tell us a little bit more about why you started TC Boost, your background, and why you do the things you guys do. Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's always uh, uh, a, long, a long, interesting story to the person whose story it is. And uh, if I make it too long, it might not be as interesting to your listeners. <laughs> but I'll try to <laughs> condense it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's really, you know, comes down to my desire in terms of my vocation to make an impact in people's lives. And, and, you know, when I think and reflect back on my life growing up, especially during my high school and college years, it were, it was my coaches that had the biggest impact. And, and so as I went through college, I played football at Northwestern. Uh, I studied mechanical engineering, thought I wanted to design automobiles. Uh, But in the back of my mind, I always thought if, if engineering isn't ultimately what I want to spend the rest of my life doing, I would love to be a coach of some sort. And uh, once I got into the engineering field and the automotive world, uh, you know, I, I started to have this gnawing ache to, to do something more and that this really wasn't what my life calling was. And, and uh, just reflecting back on those coaches that had impacts on my life. And, uh, you know, one thing kind of led to another. It took some pretty big steps, but, uh, you know, I, I wound up really focusing on strength and conditioning you know, because, you know, in my experience, as, especially as a college athlete, there's just a unique relationship of a strength and conditioning coach to an athlete that's much more mentoring in nature, something that I was really drawn to. Right. And so that's really what I pursued when I went to go back into coaching was, you know, I wanted to become a strength and conditioning coach. And then through some circumstances that I didn't plan for, but were wonderful, pivotal opportunities in my career, I had the opportunity to 
get my feet wet in speed development and, and loved, loved it. And, and just really, that's what really captured my passion and interest, you know, is the area where I felt like I could have the biggest impact. And uh, that's kind of, you know, greatly condensed, but that's really what led me into coaching was the desire to really to have an impact and, and really, you know, impact in somebody's life as a person, as an athlete. Um, and with regards to speed development, it, it's my strong belief that the, the biggest differentiator in, in most of the sports that we train is speed and movement. And so, you know, we want to have an impact beyond sports to have an impact on the life, you know, which is the bigger calling to me, but within what we do for people, the biggest impact that, that I think we can have in terms of outcomes and performance is in improving and, you know, hopefully drastically improving speed and movement quality so that it, it carries over to success on the field. Right. And that makes total sense, especially the injury prevention side of things. Um, don't you feel that a lot of people that maybe get into, they were a former athlete and they get into strength and conditioning or coaching, it's because they really want to give back because that sport gave them so much. You know, like you, you touched on uh, your strength and conditioning coach being more of a mentor. And I find that a lot because you spend, athletes spend a ton of time with their, their strength and conditioning coaches in the weight room. And yeah, and if you're, if you're, if you've been growing up that way and like yourself got made into elite level uh, college athletics, you spend a lot of time in the weight room with those guys and it's a bond because it's a lot of grueling hard work. Sometimes you don't want to be there. And <laughs> I think when athlete, when, when athletes get out of that, that situation, maybe they miss it a little more than they anticipated. Right. And, and they feel like if they go back into it, they can pass on the positives of, uh, you know, the, the emotional side, the mental side of things more so as well as the, uh, the physical side. So right. do, do you find that, was that one of your major reasons for getting back into it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it, it's just, you know, I think you, you said it best and just the amount of time that, especially as a college athlete that you spend with your strength coach and through adverse situations, you know, through 6am workouts, through, uh, you know, training sessions that you're, you know, you're, you're pushed to the edge and, you know, you're, <laughs> you puking your guts up and, and the coach is uh, putting you through it, but he's encouraging you in the process and, and, and making the connection to say, you know, you're doing this because this is what we want to do. This is what we're, this is what we're shooting for. This is what we're believing that you can accomplish. And, and, and this is what it takes. Fight through it. Let's go. Come on. Remember what you're, remember what you're doing this for. And uh, it's, it's such a great, there's just so much energy in it. I, I, I remember, when I first started at Northwestern as an intern, you know, after I had left engineering, I'd spent five years as an engineer. And, and I just remember that first summer at Northwestern, you know, I can remember it just clear as day being in the weight room and spotting Pete Kanopka on the bench press and, and just, you know, you know, yelling at him in a positive way, but I just fighting, you know, just really joining him in the effort and the endeavor to become better. And, 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 and it was just, I, I just had goosebumps because it was just such, uh, it was so invigorating to me to be investing into him and making that connection. And um, I, I just, I loved it, you know, and, and it's, it's really, it's, it's stuck, it's stuck with me. It's why I'm, it's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So, right. 
Yeah, and nobody as as an athlete or a coach, no matter what, whether you hated it or you loved it, it's going to stick with you, <laughs> right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so Tommy, that's a pretty awesome background, and um, obviously, there's a ton of passion there. So, tell us a little bit more about the development process period, because I, I a pyramid, excuse me, because I, yeah. I think that's that's really important to stress, because a lot of people they don't just divulge that kind of information. I mean, right there on your website, you know, like, here's what to expect when you come in here. It's sometimes walking into a place like yours that's so developed and, um, you know, maybe does things a little differently, but, but keeps things practical. Right. People don't really understand the amount of um, individual effort that goes into someone's training protocol. Sure. So can you give us like a step-by-step -step how that looks? Yeah. I mean, it, it's really... Yeah, as a, as the process goes in terms of, of training, and, and, and you kind of look at it, uh, you have to sort of you know, look at the end from the beginning. Is you know, where do you want to, where do you want to get to? What's what's really what is the um, what like means what, success? You know, what is the yeah. ultimate goal? And then you kind of come back and say, okay, well, how do we get there? And you know, and it is like you know, building a house. You talk about like foundation. Well. You know, you first have to really understand what you're dealing with, you, and everybody's different. You, know, you 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 watch a hundred different people run, and you'll see a hundred different ways to run. You know, you watch a right. hundred people squat, you'll see. You know, so there's so much variation. So the first step is always to go through, uh, you know, in a in assessment and a needs analysis, and it's a combination of looking at what you see in the individual in terms of uh, if deficiencies in their mechanics and their movement as well as understanding what sports they're playing. Usually you're dealing with multi-sport athletes. What position do they play? What are their other requirements in terms of physiological um, toll that, you know, we, we can't pretend like we're in a vacuum and the athletes that come to TC Boost to train don't do anything else the rest of the week. Maybe they're doing travel lacrosse. Maybe they're doing high school tennis. And, and, and there's just a lot of, physiological load that goes on. So it's kind of that foundation is that first part is that that needs analysis. And then in that first phase of what we're working to do is we're working to build proper mechanics and awareness as they go into their training. Uh, it's, the, it's the phase where we're looking at really slowing it down and making sure that they understand what it should look like, what it should feel like to, uh, to accelerate the right way to take a great first step. But even before that, you know, can you get into great athletic position? And what does that feel like? What does that look like? And then mm -hmm. in that first phase, we're, we're devoting time and attention to laying that foundation and not rushing through it and just running into to drills and doing races and competitive things that are always fun and engaging. But if you just run cone races or tag races, you know, and you're not teaching them how to move, you're just reinforcing the dysfunction that they already have. And you're not really taking the advantage advantage of the opportunity to, to make a really transformative change in an athlete. And, and in my career, and I've been focused on speed development at a high level for 17 years now, which is hard to believe, but <laughs> what I've, you know, and I've always, you know, you get feedback as you work with athletes and I've been fortunate to work with hundreds of guys that I've trained for the NFL combine that have, you know, been part of big college programs like all over the country. I've trained guys from USC, Notre Dame, Nebraska, Auburn, uh, Illinois, obviously Northwestern. Um, Never heard of them. 
all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know programs were you know really well respected and, and i'm always interested as i work with these athletes to understand what what was your college program like tell me about your strength and conditioning program and specifically what did you do to improve your you know your speed and movement and 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 i and and through their feedback, I uh, you know I I, I kind of get to assess how we're doing and and really what's how are we different and yeah and 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 I you know I, I think you know a, a lot of it comes from really buying into the belief that you can transform the way that somebody moves and and that really significant improvements in speed are, are possible and expected. Yeah. I, I, th I think to, to have the expectation that this, this really significant improvement is, is, is really what we expect to have happen. And it's not that we're going to focus all of our attention only in the weight room and we'll do some speed drills, but it's all about just getting stronger. Yeah, I've right. never believed that. And I, I know that strength is so important to be able right. to be at your potential in terms of speed and injury prevention and power. Definitely. But, you know, in my experience, speed, you know, the, what we do that is, I believe, unique in, in, in how we approach it is uh, I think we do a really good job of translating weight room power into speed performance on the field and, and and what i mean is and i've seen it a ton is i you know i've been in the the collegiate setting and you know, work with division one athletes and see guys that can squat a house they can you know they can clean a ton of weight they they can even you know jump really high they can do a lot of things really well but then i i evaluate them in terms of their 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 sprinting and their acceleration and like what they're doing top speed and like they've got all this power but they're not using it they're missing you know the opportunity to really you know, take that power potential that they have and translate it into performance in a way that makes them fast you know in their sport fast you know uh, 360 right. degrees fast and and so um but I'm kind of bouncing around but the, you know that's i i think what you know, really the, throughout that process and that first foundation phase is, is we buy into the fact that mechanics are important. It's worth spending time on it. Yep. And when you change the way somebody runs in, in, in all these different phases, uh, when you change the way that they run, it, it really makes a big difference in their performance. And, and we see it in stopwatches. We hear about it from parents and coaches. Um, you see it in the confidence of the athlete. Um, and you also see it in injury prevention because you know, a lot of times, you know, hamstring injuries, uh, for instance, shin splints, turf toe, a lot of those types of injuries are related to bad mechanics in running and sprinting. And so if we can uh, not only improve performance, but also reduce injury doing with, you know, really the same type of work, it, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's a great uh, synergy in terms of that, you know, real positive impact. Definitely. And I want to put a pin in the, uh, the speed to strength because I do want to come back to that. But something that was interesting to me, what you said earlier was about how you really get to know what the, what, um, you know, the, your college athletes, the program they, they came from. Yes. I, I'm wondering, do you, do you take more of that 
of that feedback so you can learn how to how they oh, how do I put it like you you some places have a certain way of doing things right yeah. and they and athletes come into a place and the coach might say it's our way or the highway right, right. but it's it sounds like the way you get to know the athlete you can understand how they receive information because not everybody is coached the same Sure. So, uh, you know, and there's different coaching styles and there's different um, receptive styles to those coaching. So, right. I, I assume you guys kind of take that in consideration, right? You, you see somebody reacting to a certain uh, cue or, or maybe they, they did a movement better uh, when you set it up a certain way versus another. So right. you take all those things into consideration. Absolutely. I mean, it, and, and it, it is kind of a trial <laughs> to try. You know, you, you sort of you, you you approach it and attack it in a certain way. You assess how it went, and you reevaluate, and you may modify as you go. Mm -hmm. and, and when we when we train, it's it's important to always have your plan and your outline. You kind of know where you're going through in these phases from the, you know the foundation you know up. But you also you do a lot of planning in pencil, and I I I know that the art of a good coach and what every coach should get better with experiences how to adapt on the fly how to understand right. like well i plan to do six flying tens but something's not looking right i think they're too sore and if i push through it we might pull hamstrings you know you, you have to know when to make those those changes but but then on the you know i think you made a, a good point of of really the the coaching cues and how athletes receive instruction and feedback it, it's yeah. it's it is very, it varies from athlete to athlete. And so having uh, a set of tools in terms of different approaches, you know, and, and part of it can just be your cue. And, and I've learned a lot um, on cueing and you know, Nick Winkleman does a great job in, in you know, talking about that and, and just realize all the mistakes I made early on in coaching and, and, but working to have good cues that are effective that relate to improvements in motor patterns um, uh, is a big part of it. But it's not just the words you say. It's also, you know, we, yeah. we do a lot of work of, you know, we call them, you know, potentiation type drills or drills where we want them to have a kinesthetic feel of what it feels like to be in the positions we want them to be in when we do different parts of movement. And so, uh, you know, putting them in static positions where they can feel what it feels like to be in great triple extension with opposite leg hip flexion and, and proper shin angles and dorsiflexion and, and just being creative with ways to get the, get the feeling across to the athlete so that when they actually sprint, they can tap into that feeling of, you know, hey, this is what it, this is what it felt like um, when I did it well. And yeah. And, and that way they're able to, uh, yeah, just, you know, make that, that bigger change. Cause it's that control system loop, you know, it's, they, they have to have that feedback and then they have to make the adjustment and, yep. you know, you can do that by film and re then, you know, and we film a ton, we use dart fish a lot. It's really powerful for them to see it, but it's also when you can do drills where they actually have this, they, they learn the kinesthetic feel, they can actually get the feedback while they're actually doing the activity as opposed mm -hmm. to after the fact and then going back and doing another rep. But you know, we, we use film. We also, we use a ton of mirrors in our facility that 
you know, really helps for them to kind of visually uh, see what's going on and it makes coaching happen a little bit faster. Um, but you, you got to throw a lot of different things at them and, and, and kind of see what sticks and, and you sort yeah. of learn in general what works better than others, but it, there's always the outliers. So it's, it's always beneficial to have a lot of different things you can try when you're trying to change the way somebody moves. And I kind of say, I like using the phrase, and I, I'm going to go ahead and say I coined it because I don't think I heard it anywhere else, so I'll take credit for this. But uh, <laughs> as, as cheesy it may, as it may sound, is it's sort of like how doctors practice medicine, trainers practice exercise, or coaches practice movements. <laughs> because, it's, because it's not a one-size-fits-all. If it was a one-size-fits-all, there'd be a, a ton of billionaires out there that are coaches. You know what I mean? Like, it's, right. if it's one-size-fits-all, everybody would be just – full and shaped and strong yeah. and powerful but um so yeah I, I completely understand and you brought a lot of light to that subject too and i think a lot of coaches out there they're in the similar situations as you dealing with you know multiple kinds of athletes and different backgrounds can all relate right. um so let's go back to the pin that i stuck in and tell us how you you translate that power from the uh the weight room into speed development and it could be over uh you know in with athletes or maybe the general population somebody who's looking to improve their uh maybe their you know weekend warrior routine yeah well i i think one one aspect of it is um you know a, a great a great example you know if you were to look at uh, as a strength exercise say a, a walking lunge um a walking lunge is a real common exercise. Um, and, and so I always try to, when I'm working with somebody where, you know, our goal isn't to be world champions in the walking lunge. <laughs> We're not competing. <laughs> so like, well, why are we doing this? And, and, and I think that was part of, you know, for me too, being at, being at Northwestern where, uh, you know, spent over a decade coaching athletes there, uh, you know, where they're smart guys and they're, you know, you need to give them a good, I mean, you need to give them a reason. I, I think it's saying it's more effective if they understand why you're doing what you're doing. And so, well, no, you know, we're going to do a walking lunge, but as we step through, we're going to get into a full triple extension position. We're going to step through with a dorsiflex foot on the swing leg. We're going to step over the opposite ankle. We're going to get tall. We're going to get into a great front side position and that step through and then drop into the next step, you know, and, and as, because this translates into your first step in acceleration and look at the same position we're trying to hit is this full extension straight line from your head through your hip through your knee through your ankle to the toe uh you know we're looking at that that dorsiflexion low heel recovery on the leg coming through and and so you, you get them to see oh I, oh it's not just like you know walking and lunging like i'm going to do this with a purpose and all of a sudden becomes a much more challenging exercise. All of a sudden now they're really getting glute activation and, and, and feeling the challenge in their hip extension where they start to feel that active stretch in their psoas as they're going into that, that full triple extension position. They're starting to feel what it feels like to have a good thigh split um, you know, through their knee drive and they start to feel what it feels like to have dorsiflexion and uh, you know, proper shin angle and and so that you can kind of slow that down and use that exercise as a speed tool and then take it over into your sprint work and, and you know, and, and communicate about 
you know, tying back into that same feeling, you know, and, and you don't even, you don't have to say it necessarily, but if they've been working at in the weight room, what getting that full extension, hitting those positions, and when they go into the sprint, it's going to happen more naturally. And you're yep. creating strength in that range of motion that they actually have to use it when they're actually sprinting. Um, right. So, you know, that's, that's kind of an example, you know, another is, you know, you're doing hang cleans and, you know, you know power cleans and, snatches all the all those olympic exercises you know from the time i started coaching uh you'll know, learn the term triple extension and, and that's why we do these exercises develop powerful triple extension because it translates into your ability to jump and your ability to to hit somebody as a you know football player and, you know and your ability to to push off in sprinting but when you watch athletes sprint and you see them you know, not actually getting anywhere close to triple extension in the first couple of steps of acceleration. You're like, you're, you're wasting all that work you're doing in the weight room unless you apply it now. Right. And this is what it looks like. This is what it should feel like. And doing drills like the wall drills or, you know, real, you know, acceleration marches on the walls are, are really effective to put people in a position. There's a lot of other things that you can do being creative with that, but to get them to like really feel like, Hey, this is what we're really shooting for. And then we're going to go into acceleration and we're just going to focus on your first step. I mean, we're going to do a 10 yard sprint, but I want you to nail your first step. We're going to focus on gaining ground, feeling that full push and being patient with the ground because uh, a lot of times it's, it's, you know, having coaches over time, they're like, you know, faster steps, fast, 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 fast. And, and, and you got to get power out of those steps. And if you're rushing your steps, you never hit triple extension. And so it's, it's really, you know, cueing that, taking what they're doing when they're doing it in the weight room, talking about how it's going to translate. And then, and then making sure that you're doing things so they can feel it before they actually do it when they sprint. Well, I think you brought up a really good point because I've had this discussion with a lot of other coaches and trainers and we talk about does an exercise translate to the field? And I've always been, um, I've always been of the school where the exercise doesn't transfer, but how you execute that exercise does, because then it gives you the ability to perform your other tasks better. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because that's because what you said was just like, I mean, that was that was a very good way to put it because those learning those movements and how to be efficient in them. Um, you know, like learning a, an Olympic lift, you're not going to go out and see somebody do like a hanging clean movement, but the power, and like you talk about the triple extension, those kind of philosophies will definitely come to fruition on a playing field. And, um, I think that is something really big to hit home. If you can execute those kind of movements and become better at them and learn how to not waste energy and to become efficient, all of, all of those things accumulate. Sure. and translate to the playing field, right? Sure. Am I saying that right? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you think about, too, you know, just the organization of training and, you know, your you know, early off season, you're more doing more general physical preparation. You move into the more specific as you get closer and closer to your, your seat then. And, and when you're thinking uh, in the weight room and, and you know, you, there's, there's a limit to how specific you can get in the weight room to sprinting. And right. so the most specific thing you can do is sprint. And, 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 and then, you know, there's thing, you know, there's exercises in between just a pure sprint and 
uh, a clean that you can do, but those are better done on the field. And, and that's really where a lot of the speed and movement training comes is, is sort of bridging that gap of taking the, the, the weight room power potential and, and even movement qualities that, that you've worked on in the weight room. But because, you know, sprinting is cyclical in nature and most things you do in the weight room are acyclical, you know, and, and sprinting is, you know, there's a rhythm to it. And, um, and, and the velocities are a lot higher in sprinting than they are, than you can simulate in the weight room, you know, and you think about like the, you know, ground contact time of elite sprinters in their top speed phase is, you know, maybe eight hundredths of a second. And, you know, when you, when you're in the weight room and yeah, you, you're really, you know, you're, you're trying to develop maximum force in a squat. It takes you know, close to half a second to develop that force. So what they're actually using in sprinting, it's, it's different than what they're doing in, in terms of a squat. And um, you still, you know, you know, having strength in those foundations is, is, is important and, and playing along the force velocity curve is valuable. But, you know, when, when you get into the range of needing to train that, that really fast movement, that, that force production in a very minimal amount of time in a cyclical pattern with rhythm and control and, and balancing, uh, you know, tension and relaxation. And, you know, I mean, you have to do it and you, and you have to, you have to spend time at it. It's not just going to come naturally because you, you develop the qualities in a, in a weight room. You got to get out into the actual, uh, you know, field or field house and, and, and start working on transitioning from that, you know, again, just what that potential is to actually, converting it into performance so that you can transform, you know, the speed. And I, I think one of the things I've always said to athletes, uh, you know, when, you know, for a long time, we, we run all the, the speed development for Northwestern's football program year round. And when in the fall, we'd work with all the red shirted guys and train them as if it was an off season, cause they're not going to play on Saturdays. And, and, and early on, it would always communicate to them to say, Hey, over the next eight weeks, the work that we're doing with you in the weight room, you're going to develop power um, and, and, and strength. And, and as a result of that, you're going to be faster. You know, we time you in eight weeks. You're going to be faster in these drills and movements because you, 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 you just increased your power. Um, but if you pay attention, really buy in and grasp what I'm trying to teach you right now, mm -hmm. in five minutes, you're going to be faster because right. you're learning to use what you already have in a better way, in a more efficient way. And, and usually like you see all of a sudden their eyes, like they, they widen up and all of a sudden now they're locked in and they're like, okay, we're engaged. Coach me. I want to be faster right now. I understand, you know, and, and it's, it's rewarding to um, make that connection to get their buy-in. Um, Definitely. And it's the truth. It, it really is the truth. And, and the reality is we want to do both. We need to, we, we, we're going to do both of those. Things. It'd be a mistake to do one and without the other, but you need to, you need to buy into the value of both of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Consistency over time equals success. And Absolutely. that's, I think, I think exactly what you just, you just said. Well, coach, if anybody has any questions, comments, concerns, what's the best way to get a hold of you? The, the best way is, is really just, you know, number one, 
my email, I, I'd love to talk to any of the coaches, anybody who's listening to your podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, tchristian at tcboost.com. Uh, and then follow TC Boost on social media, Facebook, Instagram, um, on our website, you know, anything that we have going on, you know, we, we'll be hosting coaches clinics periodically. Uh, we would love to have, uh, you know, anybody who's interested to come out and, and chance for us to invest in coaches as well. And, um, and, and we're also, you know, always looking for uh, coaches that we can invest in through our internship program and uh, would love to hear from any coaches that are interested in the sports performance field and, and, and especially within the speed development side. Um, we're, we're looking for great coaches that want to make an impact that are energetic and uh, humble enough to know that they don't know it all and eager to learn and grow. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And I hope people do uh, take you up on that and get a hold of you to get a chance to learn. And again, I, thanks for sharing some knowledge and your passion and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor. <laughs>